You know, here you've got the great Moses, and many of us think very highly of Moses and the incredible faith that he had. And yet even God had to come to him and say, you have nothing to be afraid of. Later, Moses would go on and have to tell Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 3, do not be afraid. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Then later, Moses in Deuteronomy 31 would tell all of Israel, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But even after hearing Moses all those times, Joshua was still in need of that same encouragement. And so God told Joshua in chapter 1, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, there are many instances of this all throughout the Old Testament. And I've been reading through the book of Isaiah recently. And I found so many challenging passages but equally so many encouraging passages. One of my favorites has become Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, because God says to his people, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with righteousness in my right hand. You know, guys, sometimes the issue isn't necessarily fear. Well, it is, but not Fear as we know it. You see, fear can come out in many different ways. And part of the part of the uh, discipling that God was giving his people here was, number one, don't be dismayed. And then number two, don't be, uh, don't be discouraged. You know, why do we feel discouraged? Well, we can start to care about what people think more than what God thinks. Why do we feel discouraged? We feel like, well, maybe there isn't a future for me the way that I thought. We can get discouraged because things didn't go the way that we had hoped them to go. And then we get fearful about the future. But also, do not be in dismay. Another word for anxious. Do not be anxious. Why? Because can't we get afraid sometimes of what's coming down, this, what's going to happen this week, or, or what's going to happen this month, or what's going to happen with my marriage, or what's going to happen in my household, or with so-and-so. And so we allow the dismay and the anxiety and the discouragement to come up. And that is God showing you, you are afraid. Now, I know none of you can relate here because you're very quiet. And that just means that none of this applies to anybody here. Right. So you guys should right. shut up yeah. and sit down. Is that right. you know what needs to happen? Right. You guys look right. here. Right. You know, we need to pray as David did often throughout the Psalms. Be still, my soul. Right. You know, we really just calm down and relax and look at the situation at hand. We go, you know what? God is in control. We trust the sovereignty of God. We see how awesome things are going to get. There was a man recently who, I don't know if you heard about this, just outside of Denver, had been running and this, uh, this mountain lion attacked him. And he killed the mountain lion with his, with his bare hands. Did you guys hear about this? And they interviewed him many weeks later after all the wounds were healed up. Exactly. It got, it got bloody. Yeah. And after uh, many weeks and, and the, the healing, uh, you know, happened and, you know, the scars were, uh, were, were very prevalent, uh, they interviewed him and they said, so what happened? Tell us the story. And so he kind of walked them through what happened. And I'm running along and this baby mountain lion, 90-pound mountain lion, just comes charging at me. 
and it jumps on me, and it, and it grabs a hold of my face, and it grabs a hold of my arm, and I thought about doing this, and I started doing this, and we wrestled, and before you know it, we, we fell off a cliff together. And I landed on top of him, and we were going at it, and you know, I got to this position where I could just choke him out, and, and, and that's how he ended up killing the mountain lion. They go, well, how, how did you even, you know, get to a, 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 a place, even emotionally or, or mentally, psychologically, where you could do such a thing? And he goes, you know, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I need to do some more reflecting on that. And they, and they go, well, looking back at the whole situation, what did you learn about yourself? He goes, well, that's a, that's a deep question. I guess, I guess the biggest lesson I learned is when things seem to get out of control, it's very important that we just learn to stay calm. Mm. Yeah. And he said, when I was able to lower my heart rate, when I was able to just stay calm and get focused in on what was at hand, I was able to do what I had to do in order to win against this mountain lion. Nice. And I thought, you know, how often in life does it, does it need to get to that moment? Right. Where we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, going from one thing to the next, trying to pay all of our bills and we're going under and, you know, whatever. And, you know, just God is just allowing this flood of challenges to come into your life. And if you would only just be still, my soul. Dang. Say that prayer. Just calm down and, and really back up and get the whole perspective here and not miss the forest for the tree at hand, but really get the big picture, how often we can just see things from God's perspective and then we're able to get spiritual about it. Yeah. And then God's able to work and give us the victory. Come on, but we need to understand that whatever it takes, being fearless is not a great suggestion given to us. Because in Matthew 28 verse 20, Jesus says, and I am with you always yeah, that's right. to the very end of the age. That's right. Now, when was that passage used? So often in the Old Testament to say, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed, for I am with you. Yeah, that's true. That's right. You know, if we are to be fearless as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if we are to live our lives in such a way that we fear no one but God, then we need to learn how to calm down. And see things from God's perspective. You know, as a dad, when I'm with my kids, the only thing I want them to be afraid of is me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want them having to fear or worry about anything. I just want them to fear me. And to my kids, I mean, I, I am a superhero. I mean, I, I really am. And I, I'm starting to believe it myself, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm the strongest man on planet Earth. You know, I'll, I'll be doing push-ups, and Brinson will jump on my back, and I'll keep going. And then Addy will jump on his back, and I'll keep going. And I start to feel like a superhero. You know, I'm, when I'm out and about with them, I mean, they believe I'm, I'm unstoppable. I mean, they really do. They, they believe I'm unstoppable, that I'm fully capable of anything. Dad, do this. Dad, do that. I mean, I can do it. I can kill a spider. They know to make a fort, I can lift the couch. You know, if I need to protect the family, I can protect the family. I mean, I can even pour the best bowl of cereal. I'm a superhero, you know? And and that's the perspective that I have with my kids, and and that's the perspective that God wants us to have with Him. He's he's capable of anything, He's unstoppable. There's no miracle that He can't do. And we have no one to fear but Him. You know, when we truly know God, then we know his love. And when we know his love, the Bible says perfect love drives out fear. And when we understand God, 
When we understand his love, when we understand that we have nothing to be, nothing to fear, nothing to be discouraged by, nothing to be anxious about, then we really can fear not. You know, God gives us so much courage, and yet how often do we fall short of giving that courage to those around us? I mean, that is what it means to encourage one another daily, to put courage into each other. The fellowship needs to be a place where we come in to give courage and we leave with even more courage because everyone's giving courage to each other and we're ready to have a courageous week. You know, we we talk about having this year of boldness, but every day needs to be the day of boldness, the week of boldness, because we're able to put that encouragement into one another. You guys with me here? You know, I get courage. When I think about things that, that inspire me, you know, when I was growing up, I saw Matrix, I saw, you know, Gladiator, or Troy, and just these, these epic movies. But I, I think my favorite movie, I, I finally narrowed it down. I think my favorite movie growing up, it was called Jordan to the Max. And if you don't know what that is, I, I remember seeing it, my dad took me to the IMAX movie theater. At the, at the museum in Syracuse, New York, and I, I watched Michael Jordan play basketball on the IMAX. And this isn't IMAX like when you go to Regal and it's just a big square screen. I, this is the original IMAX that's like fully surrounding you, you know? I mean, I mean I'm, I'm like watching Michael Jordan run around, and it, it was so inspiring to me. And now I can play basketball like Michael Jordan. <laughs> But you know, nothing inspires me more than the Bible. (laughs) Nothing inspires me more than the Bible. Nothing gets me fired up and excited, more courageous, more bold than the Bible does. And so, let's get into the Bible here, amen? We're in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus says, If you hold to my teaching." You are really my disciples. You know, we're not even going to read verse 32 or 33 or 34, because this is what really matters. Verse 31. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And it sounds good, but you know, my favorite version is the ESV. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. I mean, Jesus is saying... That in order to follow him and to be one of his disciples, we need to hold to his teachings, rather abide in his word, live in his word. I think of a fish in the water. A fish out of the water cannot live. I think of a plant in the soil. A plant out of the soil cannot live. So a disciple will not live outside of the Word of God. That we abide in the Word of God. We meditate on it. We memorize it. We read it. We live in it. We go to it, not just for our quiet times, but our day-to-day struggles, our our challenges that we're facing, that it's on our hearts. So just like Jesus, like He did in Matthew chapter 4, when He was taken out into the desert to be tempted by the devil, when He was led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil, because he had been abiding in the word, he was able to just rattle off scriptures. Yeah, yeah. Come out of the devil. It's true. You know, so often we go through these challenging times and we're not abiding in the word. Mm. We go, we, you know, we call up a friend because we're struggling, or you know, we get open with, you know, maybe one of our Bible talk leaders, or you know, maybe we talk to our spouse, or we talk to, you know, someone that we've, you know, uh, gone to church with for a while, and we just kind of get open about it, but 
a lot of times the, the response that we're getting back, it's not even scriptural. Mm. You ever been there before? Yeah. You're really going through a hard time. You get open with somebody that you think can help you, but they don't even share a scripture with you. Because a lot of times people in the world, they get put in that uncomfortable position, and they don't even know how to respond. Right. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll stoop down to try to make you feel better and just share about the challenges in their life. Right. They'll just share about their struggling marriage. They'll, they'll share about you know their imperfections and all of their sin. And that's not encouraging you. That's actually just hurting the situation even more. Mm-hmm. You know what the, a, a great solution is? You get out the Bible. Yeah. You turn to the Proverbs. You get out the Bible. You turn to an epistle. And you really can't go wrong. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes you guys call me up and you got problems. And I'm like, well, let's look over in uh, Colossians. Because <laughs> you can't really go wrong. And then we go to Colossians and, you know, I just kind of find like a random verse. And I'm like, so check this out. Verse 3. <laughs> Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. And it's, it's exactly what they need to hear. It's not magical. It's just literally you can read any of these verses. Yes. And it's going to work. <laughs> Sometimes. Someone will be in tears, like, oh, life is so hard. I'm like, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. <laughs> All right, let's see if Peter's got something to say to us. Um, verse uh, 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You know, you just gotta remember, you are chosen by God. <laughs> yes, right. right. If only I would remember that. <laughs> Why, why is that? Because the Bible works. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible's meant to give faith. The Bible's yes. meant to inspire and to produce change yeah. in our hearts so and change in our minds. And, you know, people don't want to open the Bible. They go, it's so big. There's so much to know. Let me tell you, you just open it up and read anything. Yeah. Chances are you're going to be really inspired, yeah. especially toward the second half of the book. Yeah. I mean, if you open anywhere after like the halfway mark, you're more likely going to get super inspired. Yeah. yeah. And we need to learn as disciples to abide in His Word, like a fish in the water, like a plant in the soil. A yes. disciple abides in the Word of God. Amen. You know, our calling from God is to abide in His Word, and when you do that, you will become fearless. I've got a few points for you this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, I found that a lot of disciples are actually more afraid than they think, and so point number one is fear God. Not commitment. Mm-hmm. Look over in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, we see this astonishing story of something that happens around Jesus. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Wow. You know, what you see right here is an experience that this man had with Jesus. And this man comes to, to Jesus, and his whole body is fine, except his hand is shriveled. Have you ever seen someone with rheumatoid arthritis? Yeah. I mean, literally, their, their hand is, is shriveled, and they're incapable of 
you know, flexing it or moving it in any sort of way. It's just extremely weak. And, and so therefore, the, the hand just naturally just kind of starts to, to shrivel up. And what's Jesus' solution to it? Stretch out your hand. Come on. Just stretch it out. Jesus, I can't. I, that's the problem. I, I can't. You know, a lot of times we come to Jesus with our problem. And we go, Jesus, restore it, fix it, so that I can stretch it out. And Jesus goes, no, stretch it out, and then I'll restore it. You know, there's a lot of situations in our lives where we're tempted to just go to Jesus, and we just want the quick solution, the quick fix. Jesus doesn't give him the quick fix. First of all, he has him stand up in front of everyone. He says, this mess of your life is going to become your message. He says, I want everyone to know your testimony after today. And so everyone's watching. All the religious leaders, everybody, they're watching this man to see what's going to happen. And Jesus says, stretch out your hands. You know, we need to understand that strengthening is preceded by commitment. You see, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, searching to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed yes. to him. Yeah. A lot of times we go, well, I can't be perfect, therefore, how am I going to do this? Right. I mean, there's just no way I can actually apply these passages to my life with where I am at. And God doesn't say you've got to actually be perfect if you're going to go to heaven. He says, you've got to do your best, and I will make you perfect. Yes. And then Jesus says, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. Mm-hmm. Isn't that one of the challenges in the Sermon on the Mount? Be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. And you can hear that and you go, that's impossible. There's no way I can be that committed. There's just no way that I can apply the passages to my life in that way. I'm too busy. I've got too many challenges in my finances. I've got too many challenges in my relationships. And God says, get committed. Give all your heart and I'll fill in the blanks. That's awesome. You know, what's God stretching in your life? What's What's he challenging you to stretch in your life. Maybe you don't have a shriveled hand this morning, but is it your time? You just need to stretch your time. You know, I don't have time to do all this stuff. You just got to stretch your time and then God will restore it. You stretch your finances. I know we can all relate to that all the time. You know, you're stretched in your relationships. Maybe you're a guy looking for a girlfriend or a girl looking for a guy friend and you're just just trying to to, to find your, your future relationship. And yet, God says, stretch yourself, give yourself, yes. commit yourself, and I'll restore whatever's happening. You know, celebrate seven years of marriage. Nice. And um, I'll tell you what, I'm just so happy to be married to such a faithful woman. Yeah. I mean, we've been stretched. We know what stretch looks like. I mean, we've had to move in the last seven years. We've moved seven times. Um, we've led five different ministries. Um, we've been down to a few cents in our bank account more often than I'd like to admit. <laughs> the answer in all these things is always perseverance. Right. It's like what Terry was saying. They're a community. Just stretch your faith. Stretch your heart. Get more committed. I mean, it's the same in our relationship with God. That we got to fight for our relationship with God. Then it can be true. Then it can be deep. You guys with me here? Yeah. You know, when times are hard, rather than pulling back like our sinful nature wants us to, Jesus would tell you, stretch out your hands. Get more committed. Give more of your heart. Give more of your time. And that's really true for anything. 
And that's what God wants in our lives. You know, it's not rare that James and I go to the gym in the morning and we're doing our workouts and I'm, I'm about ready to give up. I mean, this last, this last Friday, he was running a little bit late. And he goes, well, we don't have a lot of time today, so we're just going to do this simple workout. And in my mind, for some reason, I always equate simple with easy. He goes, we got this simple workout. It's just going to be about 20 minutes. No big deal. Uh, we're just going to run and do burpees. And I'm like, okay. He's like, what we're going to do is we're going to run two laps and then do 10 burpees. I go, oh, that's a piece of cake. He goes, 10 times. <laughs> with no breaks. I'm like, Okay. Uh, he's like, ready, hit, and he just goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we and we get going, and I'm, I'm doing my push-ups. I, I do the running, and you know, the first the first time around, I, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Yeah, you know, it's probably like a seven-minute mile. You know, I'm just like cranking away, and uh, then I get down to do the burpees, no problem. Second round, very similar. Third round, I'm starting to feel it. And a third round out of ten, if you're feeling it, that's not a very good sign. And so I'm doing my burpees, and I remember I, I stopped after three burpees, and I'm just kind of waiting, and I'm you know, breathing, and I'm trying to catch my breath. And I remember he looks over, and he pulls his headphones out, and he's like, dude, iron sharpens iron. Oh, <laughs> I just get back at it, you know. Round three, round four, round five, round six, round seven, round eight, round nine, round ten. I was done. And round ten, my burpees, I was going so slow. I felt bad that he was trying to keep up with me or that I was trying to keep up with him. I was slowing him down. And, you know, I, I, I know this. He hasn't said anything about it, but I, I, I recognize that he finished his ten, and I was on, like, number four of the burpees. But he kept doing more burpees to keep me encouraged as I'm doing my burpees. And I, and I just thought, man, iron sharpens iron. That's what it's all about. It's like, brother, I'll go the extra mile for you. Sister, I'll go the extra mile for you. I know, I know we're, we're at our time limit here. I, I know I don't have any money, but I know I'll give you my heart. I'll go the extra mile with you. And when we have that heart, to not be afraid of the commitment. It shows our fear of God. That's awesome. Yeah. I love God. I fear God. Therefore, I'm willing to commit to more Amen. for your sake, Amen. for you in our relationship. Okay. And that needs to be the heart of every disciple. That's awesome, bro. You know, in Esther chapter 4, some of the women are like, we talked about this at Women's Midweek. <laughs> well, I really like this passage. Yeah, all right. In Esther chapter 4, we get our second point. Fear God, not man. In Esther chapter 4, verse 1, just to give you guys a little background information here, the God's people, the Israelites, have been exiled by the Babylonians, and then the Persians come in and take over Babylon. And so at this point, Esther was more than likely raised as an orphan in in. Uh, uh, by the Persians, and so they're 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 under uh, you know they're under oppression here, and the Lord raises Esther up to become queen of Persia as a Jew. She becomes queen of Persia, and some stuff is going down, and this guy Haman wants to kill all of the Jews that they have in captivity, and Mordecai, the guy who raised Esther, goes to her and says. You know, this might be an opportunity for you as queen to save 
God's people. And this is what happens in verse 1. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his, his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathik, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what it was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathik went to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her, and he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathik went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. Then, I'm sorry, the only exception to that is that if the king extends his gold scepter to him and spares his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are a king's, in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast for you. Um, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Wow. You know, here you got a situation where Esther is in a tight spot. No one has access to the king, not even her. But she puts her own life on the line at the chances that maybe the king would extend the gold scepter and hear her words. And of course what happens is she goes, after the fasting, she goes to the king and he does extend, extend the gold scepter. In fact, everything works in their favor, and Esther's able to save all of God's people. And it really is incredible. I mean, this is about as bad as it gets. This is why I wanted to use this passage, because no one here has ever felt this sort of pressure, or more likely will ever feel this sort of pressure. I mean, the entire nation is resting on her shoulders. This is a lot of pressure. And something that she had to really wrestle with here is, am I going to listen to the opinions of these people? Am I going to give in to my own emotions? Am I going to listen to the king's edict? Or am I going to care about what God cares about, put my own life on the line, 
And because I fear God, try to save his people. You know, we need to understand that the only opinion that matters is God's opinion. I mean, I love you. I love my brothers and sisters. I love my wife. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to do anything that compromises my relationship with God. And I know many of you have the same conviction. But if someone comes to us with godly advice, like Mordecai did to Esther, then we need to listen to it. Because you never really know what's at stake. Until you get the big picture. Yeah. You ever been discipled by somebody and you just don't want to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think there was a moment here where Esther was just not want to listen to Mordecai. Yeah. I appreciate you, Mordecai. I know you've always been there for me. I know you raised me. But in this moment, I think I'm not comfortable with that. I don't think I'm going to take that advice. Yeah. And thank God she didn't listen to him. Or thank God she, she did listen to him. Yeah. And thank God she allowed God to use her. Yeah. And look how many incredible people yeah. were saved yeah. because of this act of bravery yes. by Esther. Look over in Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, we see this inspiring verse in verse 36. Actually, let's read in verse 35. It says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. You know, this scripture right here reminds me of our new brother, Dennis. You know, Dennis uh, was going to get baptized Tuesday night. And then he was going to get baptized Wednesday night. And then he counted the cost and said, you know what? I just got to stop caring so much about what my family thinks. And I've got to do what's right in the eyes of God. And praise God, he was baptized Thursday night. The opinions he was hearing were contradicting what God wanted him to do. The persecution was real. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And he had to wrestle with it. Emotionally, mentally, it was in his spirit. I want to get baptized, but I just, I feel a need to please these people in my life. And when he was able to overcome that, he was able to do the will of God. And I don't know about you, I'm so excited to see how God's going to use this young man. He was baptized in Joshua's new Bible talk. I think just even more goes to the glory of God. I mean, Joshua was our newest Bible talk leader in the church. I mean, in fact, he was just baptized two months before he became a Bible talk leader. And here God used, used his leadership. There's only two guys on the Shoreline Campus ministry. It's, it's John and it's Joshua. And God used those guys and their perseverance for ten weeks. That the last week of the term, that is his baptism. It's almost like What's the problem? I've been, a Bible, I've been a disciple for years. What's the problem? I'll tell you what it is. 
It's about your faith. Yeah. Yeah. You care more about what people think than about what God thinks. Because when we are out to please God, he will give us a great victory. Amen? Amen. Point number three, fear God, not death. Okay. You know, Esther's heart was incredible. She says, if I perish, I perish. She goes, I'm going to fear God. I'm going to do what's right, regardless if it costs me my life. Look over in Philippians chapter 2. Okay. All right. Come on, bro. Come on. Verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Any, anyone here have some encouragement from being united with Christ? Yes. If any comfort from his love. If any fellowship with the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Yes. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. But in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Yes. Verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but not much more my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Awesome. You know, he starts off by giving us the example of Jesus. He goes, Jesus was awesome. Yeah. Jesus was incredible. He was God, and then he humbles himself to become a man, right. to walk on this earth and give us an example of how our hearts and our attitudes need to be every single day. And that's, that's how he starts off the passage. And then you jump ahead, and he goes, therefore, this needs to be our hearts. You see, a lot of times we read the Bible, and we go, well, that's a great idea. Well, that's, that's interesting right there. Wow, Jesus, what a great example. But we, what we failed to do is part two of that. Now that needs to be your life. Right. Now that needs to be your heart. That needs to be our attitude. And we need to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And yeah. how do we do that? Verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. You know, when people don't have humility, it's because they do not fear God. Yeah. And they do not tremble in His presence. Right. And this is not a verse that's solely unique to Philippians chapter 2. The idea of fear and trembling is all throughout the Bible. Right. Paul's breaking it down, and he's telling us this is where it all begins. If you don't have fear and trembling and a humility in the sight of God, the rest of this passage isn't even going to make sense to you. You have to have humility when it comes to reading the Bible. Verse 14. Therefore, because you're now going to work out your own fear, your, your own relationship with God with fear and trembling, yeah. do everything without complaining or arguing. Oh, we can just stop right there. Yeah. I mean, do everything. What does everything mean in Greek? Yeah. Everything. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. You know, when we have this heart, man, I want to be humble to God's word. I just want to do whatever God wants me to do, regardless of it, if it costs me my life. Man, you will go anywhere. You will do anything. You will give up everything. Missions won't be an issue. Evangelism won't be an issue. Discipling won't be an issue. Transformation won't be an issue. And this becomes who you are. And now you start to work your way toward maturity in Christ. You know, I just want to share about the newest Bible talk in the church. Nice. And we're calling it the Iron Man Bible Talk. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that first, 
And just like a, a Tuesday afternoon little Bible study, you know, we got together. And, and then James gets baptized, becomes our brother, and it's now become a Bible talk. I mean, we've had a lot of guests for the last several weeks. Abel's been out, a few other guys have been out, and it's been incredible. So this last week, Caesar and Debbie Lamone were in town, and they brought with them George and Valeria Castillo from Portland. And we were in, in James's living room, and we are just kind of, you know, rapping about the Bible talk a little bit. And, and we just officialized it right there. We're like, you know what, we're, gonna, we're just going to start this thing every week. It's going to be the Iron Man Bible Talk. Nice. On the spot, we started a messenger group on Facebook. We're like, this is going to be great. All right, guys, now we need a motto. And you know James, he was, you know, his brain's going and he's thinking. He goes, how about this? We lift iron in the morning and we sharpen iron at night. Yes. And we go, whoa! And then, you know, James is like, whoa! <laughs> and we know we have this incredible plan to get this Bible talk going. Yeah. And I'm excited about it. I know it's going to be fruitful. I mean, our brains are, are just going. They're running with it. We're, we're working on a logo for t-shirts. We're going to have a whole program. It's going global, guys. I'm telling you right now. We're going to be called the Iron Men of God. It's going to be incredible. You know, it's amazing. Like, when you fear God, not death, you're a, you can use your creativity in, in, in ways that are not inhibited by the challenges of life or the what-ifs or the fears or the discouragement or the, the, the dismay. And, you know, this needs to become the heart of, of all the disciples. This is who we were created to be. We were created as disciples to take our passions and to take our joys and take our inspirations and then use it to God's glory. Yes. I know that Iron Men of God is not going to be the only... Uh, amazing idea that comes out of this church. I mean, we've got a lot of incredibly talented people. We need to use our creativity to the glory of God. You guys with me here? I mean, clearly from the scriptures, the call of every disciple is to not fear commitment, but to fear God. You know, when you're challenged to, or, or when you're feeling challenged to give your heart, that's that's usually when you need to start giving your heart even more. And we can't fear commitment. We got to give God all of our heart all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. You know, we can't fear any person. There should be no person that we fear. Not a mom, not a dad, not an aunt or an uncle. We shouldn't fear our boss. No one should be feared above God. We shouldn't even fear death itself. You see, the, the man of God, the woman of God, fears nobody but God. Why is that? Because as David said, he goes, you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Yeah. You know, the staff had a hook at the top, and it was used to really pull the sheep in and guide the flock of sheep. The rod was a little baseball bat, and it was to bonk that sheep on the head if it was going out of place. And yet, David says, the rod and your staff, they comfort me. You need to understand that the direction that God gives us and the discipline that God gives us is actually supposed to produce inside of us a comfort and a joy in his leadership. You know, this is how we follow in God and, and follow uh, follow in Jesus' footsteps. This is how we follow the great shepherd. You know, as disciples of Jesus, we need to take this courage that we're feeling from the scriptures. And we need to take it to all the rest of Seattle. I met with three guys this week, non-Christian guys, who all <coughs> talked to me about feeling depressed and wanting to commit suicide. At some point in the last few months. 
the city is hurting. I mean, forget about the facade of wealth and prosperity or whatever. This city is hurting. There are a lot of men and a lot of women who need the comfort of God. We need to take this message that we have nothing to fear to Seattle, to the Northwest, and it's all the world. It's God's glory. Nice.